Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. I want to formally welcome all of us to the month of December and to thank God for his sustenance and to pray that the Lord will bring us to the glorious end of this year in Jesus' name and will launch us into 2022 by the grace of God. And 2022 will be glorious in the name of Jesus. Our theme for this month is perfect love. Perfect love. And this evening, in the course of our study, I'll be sharing thoughts and just trying to do a bit of overview on the theme, perfect love. And in the course of the month, by the grace of God, we'll continue to dig deep into it. Our text this evening will be taken from Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and then 1 John, the epistle, the first epistle of John. I'll read from chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and I'll be reading from the New International Version, NIV. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through to 12. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. It reads, it says, Dear friend, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen god but if we love one another god lives in us and his love is made complete in us praise the lord by god's grace this month as we focus on our team perfect love And by that sheer qualification, when you think of the adjective that defines love, perfect love, it becomes obvious that we are drawing attention to God's love. God's love for us. And I reckon that we need to be reminded that God loves us. 
and that he does so dearly. When you look at the challenges of our times, the challenges that we face as individuals and as a country, sometimes I know that some people would even wonder and some people may even begin to ask, does God really love us? Where is God? How come these things are happening to us? Sometimes we may forget some of the great things that the Lord has done for us and the ones that he continues to do for us. Maybe in the face of a trial, maybe in the face of a challenging situation and then we we'll begin to ask questions. I just want that this month, by the grace of God, that we will step back a bit and be reminded that notwithstanding our circumstances, notwithstanding the trials that we may be facing, notwithstanding the difficult situations that we face, I just want us to be reminded that God loves us and that he loves you and I dearly. He loves you and I dearly. I will start this evening by examining what is love. You know, attempting to maybe some description or some definition, what is love? And then after that, what does a perfect means? Because that is what qualifies the love that is in our team. Perfect love. So that we can put all of this in proper context and perspective. And then thereafter, we'll look at God's nature is love. And God's love is perfect. What makes his love perfect? And then finally, God's love for us. So, in a nutshell, that's the outline of what we would attempt to discuss this evening. What is love? I know that love is, is one word or phrase that practically everyone is familiar with and people talk a lot about. What is love? But sometimes I wonder whether we really know what love is. You know, but I've taken time to either listen to people talk about love, describe love. I've read about love. And then this time again, I went back to the dictionary to look at what does even the dictionary say about love? You know, and then the dictionary says that, look, love is a strong feeling of deep affection for someone or something. I said, so how do we understand this? You know, how do we understand this? I get to meet people who want to get married, intending couples. You know, at the commencement of their plans to get married, they come to spend time with me. And I try to first, you know, try to understand where they are coming from. Where is their stand in the Lord? particularly trying to understand the spouse that is not a member of our church or the, 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 the partner that is not a member of our church, trying to assess his Christian standing and trying to understand his or her commitment. And then sometimes you want to also find out how much does he, what does he understand by marriage and invariably, you know, love would come in. And a pastor was once sharing with us how he asked a guy, so why do you want to marry this lady? And he says, oh, because I love her. Now, what does it mean to love her? Then he says, oh, to make her happy, to do the things that she wants. And then the pastor says, are you sure? Have you counted the costs? Do 
So we talk a lot about love. There is a story that really captured my attention about a 19-year-old soldier who was in the war front in Iraq. And on this day, he was on this vehicle that had on it mounted the machine gun. And as they were driving past, some enemy threw a grenade at them. And as the grenade was coming, he was manning the machine gun. And then he spotted the grenade. And he kept trying to use the machine gun to defray the grenade. But unfortunately, he did not succeed. So the grenade fell in their vehicle. And he saw the grenade. He had enough time for him to jump out of that vehicle. But rather than jump, what he did was to jump on the grenade and use his body to cover the grenade. In the process, the grenade exploded on him, but four of his colleague soldiers were saved. Now, that was a selfless act that saved the lives of four fellow soldiers. If you ask me to, to describe love, I'll point at that. That's selfless. But it's also interesting to see that people see love from different perspectives. Even children have their own way of describing love. And you know, someone shared her experience, how she engaged some three kids, girls, and wanted to find out from them what they understood by love. The very first girl, Noel, who is about seven years old, said, oh, Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. That was her own description of love. And then the other young girl, eight-year-old Rebecca, she came up with a very interesting answer. She said, since her grandmother got arthritis, she can't bend over to polish her toenails anymore. So her grandfather does it for her all the time. Even after his own hands got arthritis too, and then she concluded and said, that is love. Amazing from an eight-year-old girl. But another interesting response came from another young girl of eight, Jessica. Her own remark was, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot, people forget. And that's interesting for me. Interesting because she added that people forget. People forget. And that brings me to the point and perhaps the reason for our team this month. People forget. But even sometimes for us as Christians, we can forget that God loves us. So sometimes we need to be reminded that God loves us. Because when we focus on the difficulties of life and wonder, where is the love? 
But if we pause and consider all that God has done for us, we remember how much we are loved by God. Loved very dearly by God, who the Bible tells us is love. So, in scripture, there are several Greek words for love. But perhaps the highest is agape. Agape. And that is love that is defined and driven by self-sacrifice. Love that is defined and driven by self-sacrifice. And as we think of self-sacrifice, nowhere is this truer than in the love our Heavenly Father has shown us in Christ. The love that God has shown us in Christ. And it just goes to confirm that we are deeply valued by God. I don't know what difficult situation you are going through or what challenges confront you. And if you forget, perhaps all we will be saying this evening, I just want you to remember that you are deeply valued by God. You are deeply valued by God. Irrespective of your circumstances, irrespective of the challenges that you currently face, I want you to know and I want you to remember that you are deeply valued by God. And so what is love? I would simply say that God is love. And he is pouring out that love on you and on me. He is love. That's where love starts from. Forget whatever definition others will try to give to it or descriptions that others will come up with. But for us and in our context and as believers, God is love. And he's pouring out that love on you and I. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. And to know the kind of love that God is pouring out on you and I is to look at the adjective that we have used in qualifying our team for this month. Perfect. And when you say something is perfect, it means that it has everything that is necessary. Everything that is necessary, all that is required is embedded in it as perfect. It's complete. It's without fault or weaknesses. No weaknesses at all. It's completely correct, exact, and accurate. And that's perfect love. And that is the kind of love that our Lord is pouring out on you and me. And that is what I want us to be reminded of today, the rest of this month, and perhaps as we go into the new year. I want you to reassure yourself that the Lord loves you and cares deeply for you. Notwithstanding your circumstances, notwithstanding what is happening in Nigeria, So let's look at the components. The very first one is God's nature is love. God's nature is love. And when we say nature in this context, we simply mean that, look, 
the basic character of a person, the, the, the makeup is love. That's what God is. It's, it's, if you allow me to use the word, I don't know if he has DNA, but his DNA is love. I once sat under a professor. He used to be a professor, and he's a professor of, um, of Psalms. That's his specialty, Psalms in the Bible. And I recall then when he came into the class and he introduced himself, and then he went on to say that, well, he's a professor of Psalms. And perhaps another way to put it is he has Psalms in his DNA. If you touch him, you touch Psalms. So God's nature is love. God is love. First John 4, 8 tells us, it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love. And then First John 4, 16 says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So God is love. That's what he is. So it's in his character to love. Love just flows from him. And I think we are in such a privileged position as his children, as beneficiaries of his love. And as he lives in us, that's how we are also able to love. Because it is God that lives the life of love in us. Perhaps in due course we'll come to talk about this. But for now we just want to focus on God and trying to understand the nature of God. That God is love. So you, 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 you can't come and be bitter towards God. You cannot ascribe hatred to God. You cannot come when things are not going right with you and say, no, God does not love me. No. You can't say so. All that comes out of God and all that he does is driven by love and he is love. And I want us to always remember that. So anytime the devil comes with his lie, either to depress us or to make us unhappy and throws false suggestions to us, to say to us that, oh, God does not like you. That is a lie of the devil. God is love. And soon we'll be looking at these, the, the attributes of this love and you see that the, 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 the love that we're talking about is one that cannot fail. God is love. So if there is any iota of doubt in anyone's mind that you have either fallen out of God's love I just want you to know that, no, that's not true. God loves you. He cares deeply for you because he's love. And then God is the source of love. The Bible tells us that God is the source of love. First John 4, 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves 
has been born of God and knows God. And knows God. For love comes from God. God is a source of love. So forget all the all that has happened to love in our world and our times and how people have now tried to define what love is. The real agape love flows from God. God is the source. And 1 John 4.16 tells us too, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And 2 Corinthians 13, 11 describes, it says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. He says, the God of love. Our God is a God of love. He is the source. And then finally on that point is that God acts in love. Everything that he does, he does in love. He does in love. First John 4.9 tells us that, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He acts in love. And verse 10 goes on to say, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. As an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And if you put this side by side, our earlier main text of Romans 5.8 that says he demonstrated his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ came to die for us. When we least deserved it, when we did not have any qualification we did not meet any requirements when we were yet sinners christ came and died for us that is love that is love our god acts in love so he did not love us because we loved him. No. Even when we did not. Even when we were acting against his interest. When we were not on his side. He loved us. He sacrificed for us. He gave. That is love. When we did not love him. He loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then this leads me to the next point. God's love is perfect. And that's why when you think about this, it's only God's love that you can use the adjective perfect for. Because you think of human love. Human beings, you know, they love those who love them. You know, you know, you love me, I love you. But that's not the way God operates. And as we begin to look at some of the attributes of this perfect love, 
you really come to see that God's love stands out. And the only word that you can use to describe it and qualify it will just be perfect. Perfect. So what makes God's love perfect? First, it's, it's complete. It is complete. It lacks nothing. His love lacks nothing. When you look at his love, it lacks nothing. It's complete. No other love is that like that. No other love. It's complete. And then it is sacrificial. His love is sacrificial. And we saw that in Romans 5.8 where he says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Real love has a lot to do with sacrifice. Real love has a lot to do with sacrifice. So if sacrifice is the true measure of love, there could be no more precious gift than Jesus. And that's what we see in John 3, 16. That tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. Sacrificial of the highest level. He gave his one and only son. And as you look at that verse of scripture, John 3, 16, that verse reveals the heart of God. It reveals the heart of God. The heart of love. The heart of sacrificial love. It reveals the purpose of God. The purpose of redemption. The purpose of sacrificing his son in order to redeem us and to reconcile us to himself. So this verse reveals the heart and purpose of God. God's love is wide enough to embrace all persons. And it says, for God so loved the world. He's so wide enough to embrace and so personal that you and I can claim it individually. Amazing. 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 God's love is sacrificial. God's love is generous. It's generous. John 15, 13 tells us, it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. That is the peak of generosity. God's love is generous. So I really want you, as, as, as we're going through this, to, to really begin to picture God's love and to picture yourself as the beneficiary of this love. So that when the devil comes with his lie to make you feel unwanted and unloved, you have things to say back to the devil, to say no, that you are the beneficiary of God's sacrificial love, that you are the beneficiary of God's generous love. Love that there can be no greater one 
And Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 tells us that God's love is great. It's great. He says, but because of his great love for us, his great love for us. And I want us to begin to personalize this. Because of his great love for me. Because of his great love for you. You need to take ownership of this. Because it's, 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 it's personal. And it applies to all. But the beauty of it is, it's personal. I tell people that if you are the only one, Christ will still come to this world and die. And we need to know this. And that's why we have no business feeling dejected. I pray that the Lord will lift up our spirit. I pray that anyone that is feeling downcast or low today, that the Lord will use this to minister to him or her. And that the Lord will lift any such person up in Jesus' name. This love is great. He says because of his great love for us. Great love. And then the next one is, this love is inestimable. Inestimable. This love is inestimable. You, you, you can't sit down and begin to estimate it. You, you can't get your mind around the scope of it. You can't. It surpasses knowledge. That is it. It surpasses knowledge. It just tells you the depth, the breadth, the height, and the scope of God's love. And that makes it perfect. That makes it perfect. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Someone once said of this passage of scripture, he says this love is so wide that you cannot get around it. It's so long, you cannot get ahead of it. It's so high, you can't get over it. It's so deep, you can't get beneath it. That is the love of God. And this passage tells us that is a love that surpasses knowledge. And then it is inexhaustible. This love is inexhaustible. You cannot exhaust it. You cannot get to a point where you say, mm, you have finished drawing from this love of God. It's inexhaustible. The love is unfailing. It's unfailing love. Psalm 36 verse 7 reminds us. It says, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. 
People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. How priceless is your unfailing love. His love is unfailing, is inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible. Inexhaustible. I once came across someone's will who described in details his engagement with his eldest son. He went on in his will to describe his eldest son. And in that will, he chronicled how he has made a lot of effort to get his eldest son to go to school. And after secondary school, he tried hard to get him to go to the university. He secured admission for him in England and procured visa for him to go. He raised money for him and then in that will, he wrote in it and said he's, he gave money to his son to travel to England with his fees and everything. And that the boy came to Lagos and lodged in a co-holiday inn then until he squandered the entire money. And after squandering, after spending all the money, he still left debts for him at a co-holiday inn that they wrote to him to come and settle. And the boy did not go to England. He did everything possible. And then he went on in his will to say that he was disinheriting the son. And he went on to say that the son should not come for his burial. And as I was preparing this study, that account just came back to my mind as a classical example of a son who has exhausted the love of a father. But we have a father here whose love is inexhaustible. His love is inexhaustible. I just pray that the Lord will help us to really connect into this. And then his love has no limit. It's limitless. It's limitless. Psalm 36 verse 5 says, Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. The psalmist describes the comforting assurance of God's love in Psalm 36 is a comforting assurance that his love has no limits and we can draw solace and we can take comfort in God's love. I don't know what pains you are going through. I don't know what difficulties you are faced with. But I want you to be rest assured that you have available to you God's love that is limitless. God's perfect love that is inexhaustible is limitless. It's absolutely limitless. So regardless of the circumstances of life, whether in the moment of sanity, in a mind otherwise modeled with confusion or during dark time of trial, God's limited love is a beacon of hope for us. God's limitless love 
is always a beacon of hope. No matter the trial, no matter the challenges we face, we can always look up to God. His limitless love is a beacon of hope for us. And he's always there. He will reach out to us in Jesus' name. It, that love is our ever-present, inexhaustible source of strength and of confidence. Are you running low on strength at this time? Are you drained because of the current circumstances that you are faced with? Are you beginning to lose confidence in yourself because of some experiences that you've been going through repeatedly? I just want to assure you this evening that God's limitless love is our ever-present inexhaustible source of strength and confidence. And the Lord is always there to reach out to us. His love is unconditional. There are no conditions attached to his love and no pre-qualifications. They are not like the love that man would give and would set conditions and would have qualifications that you need to meet. God sets no conditions and no pre-qualifications. His love is abounding. His love is abounding. Exodus 34 verse 6 tells us, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness abounding in love and faithfulness his love is comforting it's comforting philippians 2 verses 1 and 2 says therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, it just shows that, look, there is comfort in his love. There is comfort in his love. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. Comfort from his love. Comfort from his love. So we can draw comfort from his love. It's forgiving. It's forgiving. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion forgiving sin and rebellion is gracious it's gracious psalm 103 verse 8 says reminds us that his love is gracious he's unmerited and we've seen that and it does not depend on us. It does not depend on the beneficiary. His love is total. His love is total. And I really love this because you see, most people wait and they gauge. I used to, you know, in those days, somebody sang one song and said, you know, you give 50, he gives 50. You know, 50 50 love. God's love is total. Even before we loved him, he gave everything. He gave everything. He gave everything. He's compassionate. 
And we, we see that in Psalm 103, verse 8. He is compassionate. And I like the fact that God's love is personal. You know, we all can relate to it as individuals. Corporately, we can. Individually, we can. At individual, his love is personal. It's personal. It's personal. And it's fit for purpose. What is your situation? What kind of love do you need? The Lord delivers it. The way the Lord will reach out to Sister Shola is different from the way he will reach out to Pastor Lo. Depending on their circumstances and need, the Lord will reach out to you personally. Fit for purpose. It's amazing. Only God has that capacity. Or you will say it's custom made. It just shows you how special you are to him and how dearly he loves you and how much he cares for you and how seriously he takes everything that concerns you. So there's no need to, to lament. There's no need to feel rejected or dejected. You just need to connect to God's love. You need to proclaim it. You need to declare it. You need to connect to this personal love that is fit for purpose, that is custom made for you. And this love, at no cost to you, is a gift. I won't say it's free because it costs God. But to you, it's at no cost. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. And then finally, he's unchanging. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. I pray that the Lord will really help us to connect to his heart and to know how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And to know all that he has made available to us and at our disposal that we can connect to. And we have no business at all. At all. Lamenting. And claiming that we are not loved. God loves us. God loves us so dearly. He loves us so dearly. God's love for us. God's love for us. We've just finished looking at God's love, God's perfect love. What makes his love perfect? And then the fact that we are the object of his love. God's love for us. We are the object of his love. You know, I just sometimes, you know, and, and you, you look at it, the origin of it is the fact that God created us in his own image. Of all the things that he created, they sat back in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And verse 27 says, so God created man 
in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created us in his own image. And I ask, why did he create us in his image? Because we are creatures of his love. So that we can, he can love us. He can relate with us. So we occupy a special position with God. And we need to connect to that. So by creation, we are special. We are subject of his love. We are beneficiaries of his love by creation. And God expressed his love for us in the gift of his son to redeem us. By redemption, we are also beneficiaries of his love. And that's why our text in 1 John verse, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we see it there. We echo in John 3, 16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We are object of his love. So God demonstrated his love when we didn't deserve it. When we didn't deserve it, God demonstrated his love for us. And then the question is, how do we respond? How do we respond to this? I think there are two levels of response to this love, or two classes of respondents. The first are those who have never heard of this, or those that have never given thought to what their response should be. Those that have never at any time given their lives to Christ. You need to believe and this means that you need to believe that God loves you and calls you to be his child. You need to acknowledge the conviction that Jesus Christ is God's son and the only savior for lost humanity. You need to embrace a self-surrendering fellowship with an obedience to Christ. You need a fully assured trust in Christ that he is able and willing to bring you to final salvation and fellowship with God in heaven, which is eternal life. And this is a process that we say you give your life to Christ so that you become born again. That is the first response. And perhaps the most important response for those who have never given their lives to Christ. And then for those of us, for those who are Christians, who have believed, the response will be to love God with all our hearts. To love him as we love ourselves. And then to love others just as he has loved us. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And the very next verse, verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God sacrificed himself for us. The call is for us to sacrifice ourselves for others. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan. The summary of it all is that we should go and do likewise. A friend of mine once told me how he, he ran out of foil in his car and then he took a can and ran to a filling station, only to discover that he forgot his wallet at home. 
and he was way away from home. No mobile phones, nothing. And he stood there at the filling station. And then somebody at the filling station said, what do you want? And he just explained his plight to him. And the guy paid for his fall. And then he wanted the guy's address so that he can pay him back. The guy said, no, go and do likewise for someone who is in need. Great lesson. Great lesson. We need to reach out to others in love. And I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And that is 1 John 4, 19 to 20. And in verse 21 of that chapter 4, he says, And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And finally, he says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Great reward for those who love God. I pray that the Lord will grant us grace to respond to him in love as well. I pray that the Lord will help us. I want us to just bow our heads and, and let's just spend time to reflect. To reflect over the love of God. To reflect over the love of God. I don't know what situation you face. I don't know what trials you are confronted with. I don't know what thoughts are going through your mind. Perhaps you are doubting God's love for you. Maybe because of the challenges that you are faced with. Or the fact that you think that things are not falling in the right places for you. And you are beginning to wonder, where is this love that they are talking about? Where is this perfect love? What does it mean? I can't feel it. I just want you to talk to God. Now you know that this love is real. That this love is personal. That this love is meant for you. You are the target and subject of his love. I want you to begin to talk to God. And if you are with us and you have never given your life to Christ, this is your chance. You have a chance to do so. You need to declare faith in God. You need to believe in Christ and ask Christ to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you your sins. Confess, repent, and he's here and willing to forgive you and to build a relationship with you. Ask him to come into your life so that you can become born again. And the rest of us who are already Christians, I just want us to gain a fresh assurance of God's perfect love for us. Love that does not depend on us. God's perfect love for us. And know that he's there, he loves us. We can't exhaust this. We can't estimate it. It's limitless. It's abounding. And we are beneficiaries of his love. Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to magnify your name. We give you glory for as many as want to embrace you today. For as many as want to respond to your sacrificial love and your death on the cross of Calvary to reconcile us that we be born again. I just pray, Lord, that Father, you will be reconciled to you 
And as they welcome you into their lives, as they open their lives to you, that Father, you will come into them. You redeem and transform them in the name of Jesus. And as many as are feeling low, who are your children, and wondering where is this love of God, I pray, Lord, that, Father, they will encounter you afresh, that they will encounter your perfect love afresh, that this month of December will be a month of renewal. It will be a month that they will encounter you afresh, will be a month that they will begin to feel and to experience your love in a unique way in the name of Jesus. No matter the difficult situation they may be faced with, that, Lord, they will experience the comforting and the refreshing feel of your love in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages, and to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.